Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Brian. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NBA Finals collab. And, of course, we could not do this one alone. We had to bring the guys back for another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast. So, introducing first, from the Impact Please welcome Ian Evans. What's going on, going on everybody? Good to be back. Um, you know, I do have one thing to say. Um, Ryan, how you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm just checking in on you because, you know, like I said, the one time we shouldn't pick the Hawks. You picked the Hawks. But, you know, that's, that's besides the point. Uh, other than that, I'm really glad to be back. Can't wait. Oh, Formal man. apology coming on the impact this Friday. Yep. Introducing our next guest from the Hear Me Out podcast, please welcome Brooks Warren. What it do, guys? What it do? I'm looking forward to this apology, man. We got a long apology tour coming on, so this is in the, this is in the group chat that we have, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Yes, sir, bro. Plug the episode for Friday already. We starting out hot today, and we are indeed starting out with some interesting content to start the episode. Jalen, I'm gonna throw it to you. You got some questions for us. Yeah, bros. This is one of them episodes where we got a chock full of stuff going on. We got Rachel Nichols talking crazy. We got NBA Finals Game 1 is uh already in the rearview mirror, but we got a couple more games to go. And, of course, we got to talk some Team USA because there's a couple things on the low-key tip that I think should be worth keeping your eyes out on. I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to Olympic play, especially basketball. A lot of people sleep on it and say, hey. The U.S. going to go ahead and win this thing because we got all the NBA players, but they don't pay attention to some of the NBA implications that could be taking place behind the scenes. So we're going to talk about a little bit of that stuff as well to close things out. So let's start out with the Rachel Nichols stuff, bro. If you're not on Instagram, if you're not on Twitter, you're literally living underneath a rock because whether you love basketball or not, you know Rachel Nichols' face or at least her name at this point. She is uh infamously been outed for comments made on a recording in a <clears throat> conversation with a Adam Mendelson, who is an advisor to Lakers All-Star LeBron James. If nobody knows him, I don't think you'll ever remember him after today. But it's one of those circumstances where she had a lot to say in regards to one of the other ESPN reporters, Maria Taylor. One of the biggest things that took place was her comments in relation to the 2020 um, NBA Finals last year, in which basically her duties were handed over to Maria, um, Maria Taylor in terms of covering the NBA Finals. And Nichols's response, the one that kind of got everybody triggered, was if you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy long time record on diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it. Like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. There was also a little bit of extra mustard on that where there was a conversation um, um, in that same recording where Mendelssohn was said uh, was heard to say, I don't know. I'm exhausted between me, too, and Black Lives Matter. I got no- nothing. And Rachel Nichols responded with a snicker. So. Since then, Twitter has blown up 
There have been love affair posts between her and Jimmy Butler. We are still trying to investigate. And there are circumstances <laughs> in which Jalen Rose's daughter went to TikTok to turn up. So, fellas, Ian, my boy, do you feel like ESPN took the right course of action by simply handing over Rachel Nichols's coverage away? And pretty much keeping her just pushed towards being on the jump. They put her in a situation where now she's only going to run the jump. She's not going to do any of the NBA Finals coverage that's been handed to Malika Andrews. Do you think that that was a good enough uh, referendum for her for these circumstances? Or do you feel like more should have been done? So this might be where I get a little toxic. Okay. Um, no. No. More needs to be done. Um I, like we talked about it in our group chat, um, even Ryan brought up the the question, you know, just off rip, you know, do you think, you know, she'll be let go or something? I'm like, no, because she's too good of a talent to stay on. I mean, people will be going after her, all that regardless. Um, there's there's a saying, and I like saying it a lot. Your apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect was. And the the thing was, it wasn't as it wasn't loud enough. Her apology, and I actually saw it before Brooks sent the tweet in here. Her apology was shorter than Giannis's free throw technique. <laughs> That's how you know it wasn't good enough. That's how you know it wasn't good enough. The other thing I have a problem with is that okay, you we we give everything to Maria Taylor for hosting, and you know Malika Andrews will do sideline reporting. I love that. I, I loved it in Game One. I loved it. They did a great job. So she's just hosting the jump now. But my thing is, okay, so Paul Pierce, you know, he gets caught, you know, smoking, uh, you know, smoking weed or whatever, which is now being legalized or decriminalized in many states. So meaning it's becoming a normalized thing. And, you know, is hanging out with strippers and all that as if any other guy in media production isn't doing anything worse than weed or isn't in any other random strip club or doing whatever. You don't know what's going on beside the scenes. But because he did that, it was immediate, oh, he's out of there. How come when it comes to mocking a, a Me Too movement, mocking Black Lives Matter, especially in a company where you are interviewing mostly minorities, especially in a league that is minority driven by black athletes, you're going to mock, you know, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, and Me Too movement working with women counterparts in your industry. But then, oh, it's basically a slap on the wrist. I'm honestly not surprised that, that, you know, they just said, oh, she'll just host a jump for now. But that's obviously not enough. It's, it's never going to be enough. That's like, the, this is the last thing I'll say, then I'll, I'll hit it to somebody else. The thing that caught me by surprise is that, you know, obviously we know that ESPN, you know, diversity-wise, not the greatest. They've been trying to do a little better. I, I do and don't understand what she's saying when, you know, putting her at the forefront to kind of make them seem more diverse in, in that aspect. But that's something you one keep to yourself or two, you know, instead of complaining about it, I understand like is was she good enough to do it? Yes. But instead of like complaining about it, keep grinding to get to a point where you finally get, you know, you're the number one option. That's like me saying, let's say Ryan and I apply for the same job, right? And in corporate America, this is a known fact that white men Run it, basically. 
it is harder for black men to get corporate jobs because it's basically run by white men. Now, now let me get to the, let me get to the point. That's like so if Ryan gets a job, right, that we both applied for. If Ryan's qualified and I'm qualified, and he gets it. I'm not going to be like, oh, Ryan got it because he's white. I'm going to be like, I'm going to keep working hard so I can get to a point where we go gun for a same job. I'm not complaining. I'm working hard to get to that point. So I'll be the one to call up. It's, I basically see her as a complainer now. I know she she was good enough to get it. But that's something you just don't say. Simple as that. So, Brooks. Yeah. We're talking about the Mickey Mouse brand here, bro. So they're one of those uh places that have to kind of keep their image up. First off, response to the statement in question, um the state the statements in question, I guess you could say, and your feelings on whether or not what ESPN did was enough in your eyes. Um, so response to the the statement at hand, man. Um uh... I mean, it's, it's it's another it's another thing of like confirming the bias or not the bias, but the confirming the uh, hesitancy in believing, um, you know, that people are are truly empathetic or truly understanding of what black people, what people of color go through um, every day, whether that's from um, biasy, from racism, irritation, whatever it may be. It's like another thing of, oh, okay, so as long as it doesn't affect her. She's with it. She's sympathetic. She knows that it's wrong. Um, you know, and I understand the fact that Maria, T- I mean, not Maria, T- I'm sorry, Rachel Nichols is someone who's climbed up the ladder and she's, you know, she hasn't only been on ESPN. She's been on CNN before. She's been doing a reporter thing for a good while. So she's more than qualified to do these things. But to try to just um, just make it seem like, oh, Maria Taylor only got this job because they're just trying to make the company look good. I, I, that's personally very offensive to me and to any woman that it should be personally offensive to anybody any any woman in sports any uh black person in sports like you know marie taylor is she she's great she knows what she's doing she's very vocal about what she understands and all that and it's not like she ever gets out of her lane she she knows the assignment every time and she she kills it every time so to insinuate anything else is is just incredibly offensive and um you know for her to just get away with just doing her her regular job of hosting the jump, it does seem like she kind of gets got away scotch free. Like I don't, I'm not calling for her to get fired because again, she's great at her job. But a suspension, something something like that would have been okay with me, and maybe maybe a bit of an overreaction. But I think that would have been a, the appropriate message to send to her and to anybody else that has that type of thought in her head. Um, you know, and and the fact of the matter is this too. When you see these things happening at the quote unquote worldwide leader in sports, you're already going to raise more suspicion and more, uh, worry to black people and POCs that are like, oh man, I would love to have a job over there. But then I know the work environment and the culture there is stressful and it's going to be hard for people who don't want to work there. Um, I know people that on through Twitter and through the, through the, through the scene that they had some pretty stressful environment or stressful, uh, uh, situations going on there. The producer, out of, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name right now, but the producer who basically leaked the audio and the videos, she got, she ended up leaving ESPN because she spoke up and she said, "Oh yeah, Rachel Nichols said that." She ended up getting worse assignments, and now she's gone, and she might not even be in sports media anymore. That's not fair to her, and it's not going to be fair to Maria Taylor when she ends up when her contract goes out in three weeks, two weeks, whatever it may be. Now, 
Like, is she going to want to stay at ESPN? Is she going to go to Fox Sports? Is she going to start her own thing like Jamel Hill did? It's a lot of questions going on with this. So, Ryan, I'm going to read something that came from Commissioner Adam Silver, and I want you to kind of respond to this based on everything that we know about this situation, everything we know about Rachel Nichols. So what Adam Silver was, they require a very labor-intensive effort, creating a climate where people are comfortable saying what's on their mind, where people are given the benefit of the doubt, especially long-term employees that are in good standing, that when they do make when they do make comments that people recognize that people make mistakes, that careers shouldn't be erased by a single comment. He finishes out by saying that we should be judging people by the larger context of their body of work who they are and what we know about them. So, Ryan, you know a little bit about the uh, the upbringing of of one Rachel Nichols, her uh, ability to get on TV. If if anybody wants to highlight the uh, Jalen Rose daughter TikTok in terms of what her background is, um, as well as what she does reporting wise from what you know about Rachel Nichols, what you know, her breaking into the industry, so to speak, is. Do you feel like her body of work and standing in ESPN is enough to be able to, quote unquote, erase her career through this single comment? Or do you feel like she has enough standing to the point that this should be something that will go away soon? I want to start out with one word, opportunity. What my main takeaway from what you said was, and I'm taking this in a slightly different direction for where everybody else is going, she pretty much was upset that she didn't get the finals gig and she turned down the opportunity and I'm going to use that word a lot to be the sideline reporter for the NBA finals. I know everybody who is on this panel right now wants an opportunity. We're all in our young twenties. We all, most of us just graduated college recently and we're pretty much dying for that opportunity to break into the industry. Who would not want to be a sideline reporter in the NBA Finals, where you cover two of the best teams with two of the best coaches with a ton of great players and a a huge storyline with Chris Paul being in his first Finals? Who wouldn't want to do that? And I feel like that she kind of disrespected the position in a way where it discredits people like Doris Burke. It discredits people like Aaron Andrews. It discredits people like Holly Rowe. I mean, they are some of the top silent reporters in the sports industry. So I feel like when you take an opportunity that's been given to you, even though you lost an opportunity essentially with the NBA Finals gig, I feel like you had an opportunity to take over that position and be a great sideline reporter. That's number one. Number two, something she said in her apology. She said something that was interesting to me considering I just graduated college and I was a journalism major. The one thing they teach you in journalism school is not to be the story. You know what the other thing they teach you in journalism school is? Build good rapport with your colleagues and the people that you're interviewing with. Think about that real quick, because this is what frustrated me the most about this. Think about the damage that she did to all the people that she interviewed and had the good rapport that she interviewed with and the colleagues that she works with. Her relationship with Maria Taylor is now damaged, to say the least. Her relationship with most of the players who have now come to Maria Taylor's defense is absolutely damaged. I think that this is a situation where there's no turning back. 
I think she may be out of there after the finals. And something that Jalen Rose's daughter said on her TikTok was that she's partially or she is related to Diane Sawyer, who is a great reporter for ABC. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Fellas, I don't know about the I don't know about the month thing i think that one's questionable i think that we'll have to kind of see how the nba finals pass i think that the nba world has all eyes on it right now so it's kind of hard to make any rash decisions when the offseason hits the offseason kind of hits for shows like the uh, like the jump and things like that as well they don't go away obviously but the content slows down a little bit in terms of things that they have to do and things become a little bit more evergreen as opposed to news stories uh but we have to take a pivot to the Maria Taylor aspect of things. And something I thought was super interesting was the fact that her contract with ESPN is almost up. So last week it was reported that Maria Taylor's contract will expire in July. It actually expires during the finals, which is insane to me when you really think about the circumstances of when all of this is hit. According to Andrew McCard, uh, Machan, or Machan, of the New York Post, Taylor was offered a raise from her current $1 million salary. However, however, she didn't accept the initial offer of around $5 million because she wants a contract similar to the one that one Stephen A. Smith received. ESPN wants to keep Taylor around for the foreseeable future, but the network has not met her with an asking price. To make matters worse, it sounds like she has another suitor on the open market. It is reported that NBC could be a possible destination for those who are not aware of what NBC is about. They snagged ESPN's girl Carrie Champion up not too long ago and that has probably been another thing that's been a big hit to their company in terms of talking about some of the more prominent female basketball reporters and female reporters in general let alone basketball coverage people along across the league so fellas i'm gonna put you guys in a really weird spot here call yourself maria taylor for like two minutes and tell me, as one of the rising sports journalists in the industry, this is regardless of male or female in my regards. I feel like she is on the uptick regardless of what lane you want to push her in. Her contract is almost up. If you're Maria Taylor, Ian, what are you going to do when you go to the negotiation table? Man, I don't even think it's a weird spot, man. Uh, three words, secure the bag. Simple as that. Um if ESPN is giving me the most money, I'm going there. Uh, but uh, all I'm saying is I'm going to need an incredible apology. <laughs> I'm going to need um, something else, like a suspension, like like Brooks said, something to be done to Rachel Nichols because she can't just get a slap on the wrist. That's offensive to me, like y'all not doing anything for me. But secure the bag. Let's say NBC pull up because she already does uh, the national championship game. We already know that she does a lot for the college football world in general. She can still do that. If NBC has the money and says, Hey, we can get you and we can offer you more than what ESPN is trying to ask for you, man, I'm going there. It is as simple as that. It's not, it's not like if, you know, she's still trying to solidify herself in, you know, the hosting and reporting and sideline, you know, and just the media production in general. It's not like she's trying to solidify herself. She's already been solidified. People know her name. People know what she's capable of. And when you're talking about hosting, people know her name as, oh, NBA. You're talking about women hosts. Boom, she's right there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, secure the bag. Simple as that. Personally, if I'm her, 
and they don't want to offer that, I don't care. Well, first of all, for those of you who don't know, ESPN is kind of on a downslope or a downward trend in terms of, um, I want to say, whether it be analysts and hosting gigs anyway, because mm-hmm. like, like, like Jalen said, Kerry Champion left. A whole bunch of other people have left. Also, shout out to uh, Michelle Beadle, who is really throwing shade at uh, Rachel Nichols right now. She was one of the better ones, too, and she's gone. You're talking Why about a see that tweet story at ESPN. So all I'm saying is if they're not offering even even close to Stephen A money, I'm out. Brooks, that's where I was going to go, bro. ESPN is on the downtick low-key when it comes to reporters, and it's becoming one of them jobs that almost feels like it has a certain kind of shelf life that most reporters are not used to, bro. So if you're Maria Taylor, fam, bag bag secured or not, is ESPN even the place Maria Taylor should want to go back to? I, I, I would say no because because of this. One Ian just brought up a great a great uh point that ESPN is ESPN's Disney money. Disney money is great, don't get me wrong. But when you're going through a lot of turn turnover and uh and it looks like a lot of unst- instability as far as job growth, as far as being able to rise up in the in the ranks, that that that's gonna give you a little bit of pause. That's cause for pause right there. Mm-hmm. So for me, if I know that my position is kind of just like wayward. Like I know my contract situation is coming up. I know that they can get rid of me at any point that they want to. Um, I, I'd be kind of worried about that. Not to mention the fact that I know the workplace culture is some shit. If I don't, if I know that someone who's competing with my spot is going to say some disparaging comments about me to make sure that she gets her, her spot back. If I know that again, being a black woman in sports is difficult. Being a black person in sports is difficult. If you're not an athlete, like these things will make me kind of worry about going back to the same place. I don't want to be around a toxic environment. So I'm not I'm not going to stay if I have to do that. With that being said, man, ESPN isn't the end-all, be-all anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be at ESPN anymore to have a great career. You can go to NBC. You can go to Fox Sports. You can be like Jamel Hill and Carrie Champion and have your own production company, Dan Levitard, have your own production company and start something on YouTube, do something with DraftKings, whatever it may be. If I'm if I'm a Carrie Champion, if I'm uh, Maria Taylor, I think about doing that. I think about getting my own badge out of my own thing and competing and just having my own thing, like being able to create the con- the cre- like create the kind of content that I want to create. I don't have to worry about ESPN and the FCC and all these other things. Like I'm just going to go out there, chase my bag, and have some fun doing this while I still can because ESPN, NBC Sports, Fox Sports are not forever. But having your own lane and being able to just do whatever the hell you want to do is forever. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, – I'm, I'm more attracted to that, honestly. So I, if I was a Maria Taylor, I would I would think about going out on my own and doing something else. Ryan, what would you do, my guy? How how would you respond to a situation with this, knowing the bag is around the corner and you have many suitors calling to you? I think if I were Maria Taylor, I would not go to, back to ESPN at all. Even if they release Rachel Nichols and she gets offered the gig at the jump, NBA Finals coverage and Monday Night Football and all this other coverage. I would say she can get better opportunities elsewhere. I'll give you an example. Fox Sports. They picked up Colin Cowher, Chris Broussard, Rob Parker, a bunch of ESPN personalities as well. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. You go to Fox. Another one, CBS Sports. They do college football. What was Maria Taylor doing before NBA? She was doing college football. They're a huge hub for the SEC. They have a huge TV deal with them. I would say NBC. You know, NBC also does college football, and they also hire Carrie Champion. 
Bleacher Report, I think, is another one. I think maybe House of Highlights, she could do stuff there. Yeah. She can go to The Ringer. She's not a writer. That's 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 definitely what hurts her a lot. She's not a writer, but there's a lot of places that she can go to in order to just do her, her own thing content-wise. I'll give you another one if she wants to do mainly basketball inside the NBA. I think they would probably hire her to do stuff for do stuff for them. Maybe TNT because I know TNT does a lot of basketball coverage in general. So I think that could be an interesting thing. Ian, I know you were kind of shaking your head when I was talking. I just want to give you the floor real quick. The the only thing I'd say for her to stay is if let's say they do just get rid of Rachel Nichols and give her the bag and we'll like literally, basically like free agency they will ask any price and then like whether it be like you know we'll increase that or whatever that's the only way I'd say she'll stay. Uh, other than that, I mean I agree, but like I, I think there is a slight chance she'll stay because I feel like ESPN is desperate enough to do that. But I don't think they will release Rachel Nichols like I said before because she's a good enough talent for her to stay there, even with all that happening. But um, I, I don't think she'll stay there. I think there is a chance she'll come back if all that does happen, though. But, yeah. Rachel Nichols, I'm shaking my head at you, especially because coming from my county, you went to Churchill, you're making, you're making us look bad. And I don't like that one bit. God damn it. But another thing, too, I want to I wanna give my love and my shout-outs to, like, Malika Andrews, of course, L. Duncan, um, Lisa Salters, who got looked over for some of this stuff. Again, Maria Taylor. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Um, any other black reporter at the at the network right now? Um, and he's what's his name? Um, the, he's he's at Yahoo and he he did the uh, ABC. Chris Haynes. Chris Haynes. Chris Haynes too. He's not a black woman, but you know what I'm saying. I want to give him some, some some love too. Just any black journalist out there that's got to deal with this sports media thing. Yeah, shout out to y'all and and shout out to my man Ian and. And Jalen and, and Ryan too, but yeah. Fellas, I think regardless of the circumstance, I think she chased the bag. It, ain't no lady gonna run me off my bag and they're not gonna run me out of my position. You feel me? So I think the main thing that I'm gonna say, I'm gonna take it as saying whether Rachel stays, t- that, that should mean squat to Maria. Maria should be making her decision strictly off of whatever her financial situation causes for and where she wants to be at. Because I think her rapport with Malika Andrews, we saw it in game one. Uh, to the start of, of that game, I thought that she did really well. Um, and I thought that she definitely relished a bit in knowing that Malika Andrews was the sideline reporter that she was swinging things to. Um, I also think that she does a really good job. So I think at the end of the day, no matter what position she's put in, you're going to take it. I think at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that's been brought up as of late, not even just for Maria, but also for Malika as of late is next man up. Well, next woman up has been doing relatively well so far in the last, I would say two seasons in the NBA. And I think that they've been slept on even longer than that. So Shout out to all of them, like Brooks said. I think that goes uh, without saying, but I feel like sometimes we just don't show that love to reporters and, and, um, and other like media people in in sports as much as maybe we liked as much as we would like to, just because there's a lot of toxicity on the internet. But these people do some really fire stuff, and these are just two of so many, many, uh, so many, many other people that do a really great job at covering things like the NBA Finals. Hence. While we're going to move on to actually talking about the finals. We've been talking about everything but the finals so far, and it's about time we talk about the play on the court. The Phoenix Suns took game one with Chris Paul snapping for 32 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo did play despite the fact that his kneecaps 
did not look in did not look very normal after he got injured and somehow he superman healed himself back into being able to play in this series fellas let's start with chris though man we had this conversation on my live stream a while ago. We had it kind of pop off in the group chat a smidge too, but it's time to kind of put things on, on the audio waves for the listeners who didn't make it to the stream. Ian, what do you think a championship would mean for Chris Paul? Everything. I mean, like literally everything for him. I mean, um, Think, look, we're talking about, like Ryan said, the word opportunity, and I think it's the best opportunity for Chris Paul to get a championship this year. Granted, I've, I've said it in my article that I wrote. I mean, obviously, injuries were, you know, a big theme, but I still don't think it discredits both the Bucks and the Suns for getting this far. But if every team is healthy, I don't know if both of these teams are here right now. Simple as that. Um, I love both of these teams, but I simply don't think so. But so like I said, opportunity, I think this is the best opportunity for Chris Paul to not only solidify himself as hopefully either an NBA champion and maybe even a finals MVP here, depending on how DeAndre Ayton played. That man been going crazy. All I'm saying. Anyway, but you're talking about Chris Paul being a top, I don't know, five point guard of all time to literally just getting one ring to being top three, maybe even top two. I'm telling you, it's it's that that's how good he is. He's called the point god for a reason. I mean, uh, top five, he, I think, surpassed Magic Johnson this year on the all-time assist leaders. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's one of the best leaders, best facilitators to play the game, adding a ring to that, not only solidified, I mean, he's already a solidified Hall of Famer. That mm-hmm. even adds more to his resume. And again, you're talking about a guy who's been argued, I don't know, Chris Paul doesn't have a ring, should he even be considered in this conversation, blah, 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 that type of thing. It's a no-brainer at that point if, you know, he adds an NBA championship to his, you know, his resume. Brooks, do you feel like this makes you feel any different about Chris Paul if he wins the championship? Or did you already feel like wherever he wherever he is now only is just further validated by a championship? Is this a guy who you thought was top 10 and with a ring would be top 5? Or is this a guy who you thought was top five the whole time and a ring was just making you think, oh, yep, that's why I slotted him there. I'm, I'm, it's, my feelings about Chris Paul are complicated, man, like, especially this year because he's getting so much credit for bringing these young pups up, the Suns up so much as if they didn't already have a, a really solid team around Devin Booker. I think he, he does get a – you should get um, a proper amount of credit for being the leader that elevated this team as much as it did and raising their ceiling – this high, like this is literally an eight and zero bubble team, and now they're a finals team. Um, the conversation about whether or not they would have made made it if the Lakers were healthy is a completely different conversation. I'm kind of iffy about that because again, the Lakers were kind of like a poorly built team when you really think about it. I mean, AD, I mean not AD, but they didn't have really shooters around them. Um, Dennis Schroeder kind of felt like a weird fit. Magic Johnson said he's not a, a a Lakers point guard, I kind of agree with him on that on that point, but be that as it may, um, for Chris Paul, I think it does elevate him to that top five, top three status because again, the guy has done everything that you that you want that you could ask for in a career. Like he's approaching that top five in the assist leaders, and again, John Stockton is like literally impossible to even catch up to if you're not healthy your whole career. You don't play twenty plus seasons. So for him to be getting up there, for him to be putting up these great playoff performances this playoff alone, he dealt with his injuries 
like relatively quickly. You know, everything that everything bad that you can say about Chris Paul has happened, and the Suns continue to play well. I think that really helps his case as far as being the point guard and as as as, as being a top five point guard. I think he stays in the top five. I don't think he becomes a top three, but he stays in the top five um, if he wins the ring. Ryan, I think people forget because of how long these dang seasons would are that this season was attached to 2020, and there's no 2020 thing better than the entire playoffs being injury-riddled, and Chris Paul survives the war of attrition over everyone else. It only sounds as ass-backwards as it looks. How do you feel about the idea of Chris Paul winning his first NBA championship, and what do you think it does for his overall legacy, not only as a point guard, but as a player in the NBA scope of history. I think Ian put it best, and he put it best by saying this is the best opportunity that Chris Paul has to win a ring. It's the honest truth. This is the best year that he has to win it. He's 36 years old, 16 years in the NBA. How many more opportunities is he going to get to win an NBA ring other than this year? I mean, this is the best team that he's been on in his entire career, if we think about it. A lot of young talent on this team. Devin Booker is a great player. Jake Crowder, a very solid role player throughout his entire career. He's making his second finals appearance. Also, I mean, Cameron Payne, this is a guy who's playing for an extension, and he's been a solid role player. Cameron Johnson, who's been a, a very underrated player and possible X-Factor. We'll get to that later. But I think that, yeah, this, this, the time is now for Chris Paul. And how I feel about him as a player, I mean, he's already a top five point guard now. He gets a ring, he's going to be top three. And I think when we're looking at how great of a player he's been throughout his entire career, I think when we talk about basketball IQs, he's maybe one of the best basketball players with one of the best basketball IQs. There's just a lot of the intangibles that a veteran player has to lead a team to a championship, and Chris Paul has all those intangibles. Let's go from the old heads to the new guard. And one of the bigger things that's been brought up throughout this postseason run, and I think this has been something that's been reiterated a couple times, but DeAndre Ayton has publicly made it known that he believes that his 2018 draft class is the best draft class of all time. When we look at the 2018 draft classes, performance over the course of three years there's a couple players that obviously come down the line when you look at the uh look at some of uh these guys that he might be referring to as being the headliners of this class obviously Aiton himself Luka Doncic who was a guy who was play who was balled out in the playoffs despite not getting past the first round but actually just propelled Slovenia to its first ever Olympics appearance something that obviously doesn't show up very much in the NBA scope of things but obviously only continues to pile up his NBA great uh, his basketball greatness Trey Young is another guy who has really turned the NBA world around this was a guy who throughout the early stages of the season was hated by most for his style of play and come the NBA playoffs time his the view on him has significantly changed other guys that pop up in this draft class that are notable Mikhail Bridges Jaron Jackson Jr. Shea Gilgis Alexander arguably one of my favorite guards in this league right now Kevin Herter Michael Porter Jr. Um, and I think that another guy who even comes to mind is two other guys um, in the second round Jalen Brunson Gary Trent you can even swing around to guys like Devontae Graham and Mitchell Robinson I know that this does not speak 
for the entire 2018 class, and maybe that's kind. Of, this is a hard spot to put DeAndre in. But Ian, do you think that with the playoff runs that we've seen from a handful of these guys, from the ascension that we've seen from a handful of these guys, and now DeAndre Ayton, who is arguably like the most, like one of the most scrutinized players in that draft class, believe it or not, despite being taken number one. Uh, he was act- he's actually viewed as like the third best player in this in this draft class, but beh- behind two guys in Trey Young and Luka Doncic who were mentioned before. With a possible championship win by DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns, does Ayton's claim that the 2018 draft class is the best all time have any validity to it? Um, no, <laughs> it's close. But no, um, this is why old heads. I, I, I always criticize old heads. I do, cause mm-hmm. like I mean, I love the 2008 Celtics, but man, the, that team has always been on one ever since they won that ring. And we, we're talking about ESPN talents that you know d- downgrading. I mean, they hired Perk. He can't speak English anyway. <laughs> um, let me wait before you, before Ian before you get on to your Go point. Ahead. I want I want to I want to remind you guys. Sports Illustrated had a feature about Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins is on the the magazine cover. It says Kendrick Perkins when he speaks, he says something. What does that mean? <laughs> Why would you say that? Like Kendrick like Kendrick Perkins is funny. I I I actually kind of like him. I like some of his takes, but nah, like that why would you set him up like that? Ian, go back right. to what you were saying, bro. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That <laughs> definitely has to be said. Like, are we speaking right now? Like, are we saying something? Anyway, man, anyway, let me get back into it. Um, I will say it is um, in my personal top five, though, and I think it's only rising. I mean, granted, they've only been in the league for, what, three, four years. Again, mm-hmm. they're only rising. But, um, again, uh, this is where old heads are kind of correct. They're kind of jumping the gun here. Um, I personally think that two classes in particular are extremely better right now. Um, one is 2003. Can we, come on. 2003 had, let me, let me just, I, I had it in the notes. I had to put it in the notes because, you know, I had to, you know, gotta get the facts out here. Had clearly one of the best players to play ever in LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade. They had sharpshooter TJ Ford. I mean, they had David West. They had Sasha Pavlovich, who was all right for a little bit and then kind of just, you know, kind of faded off. They had Boris Diaw for a little bit. Uh, I know Kendrick Perkins was in that draft, but I'm not, you know, look up his highlight tape and just, just see how good he was. Um, you know what I mean? But like, you're talking about some of the best players to ever play the game go in that top 10 alone, but that's not my number one. My number one is actually the 96 draft. Um, Actually, they just ended up retiring, I believe, with uh, Vince Carter being the last one. I believe was the last uh, one Vince, to retire. I think Vince Carter again. was like ninety eight, ninety eight or ninety nine. Was he not one of the two? I don't, yeah. I don't even remember. But one of those two. Um, Allen Iverson, <laughs> number one, was in that draft. They had Marcus Camby. They had uh, Stephon Marbury, Ray Allen, one of the best years to play that. Antoine Walker, Kerry Kittles. For those of you who don't know who Kerry Kittles was, he was one of the main catalysts in the New Jersey Nets getting to those finals. Just saying, with Jason Kidd and all them back in the day, they had Eric Dampier. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Kobe Bryant. Please come on now, do one of the greatest to play the game. I mean, I can keep going. They had Jermaine O'Neal, Steve Nash, Derek Fisher. Um, I mean, you're talking about. Every single one of these guys is either Hall of Fame bound or in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you're talking about 
probably the I think is it's the best draft class because you're looking at one through thirty. There's barely any like spots where you're like he was either he was mid or didn't do much. Most of these guys did something for their team. Not all of them were like superstars or Hall of Famers. Obviously, that doesn't happen in every single draft. But the majority of these guys did something for their team or more. I'm not seeing that yet with the 2018 draft yet. Granted, most of them are, but I'm not seeing that with with the majority. And in 1996, the majority of them did something for their teams. So, no, they're not not tough. Not all the time. Not right now. Brooks, I think I think that there could be an argument. If you don't want to go out on a limb and say they're the best all time, I do think that there's an argument legitimately that they might be one of the best in the last five years. And I think that that's a really interesting take just out of the fact that from a depth standpoint, 2017 was supposed to be the year. For everybody that doesn't remember that, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, the infamous Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> I mean, if you go down the list, some of the guys who come on the back end of this list, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo, if you look even further down, um, Derek White, Josh Hart, OG Ananubi, Jared Allen. This was a, this was a group that was OD coming into the, coming into that year. And a lot of people were arguing that at least from a first round standpoint, that was going to be one of the best draft classes ever. Do you think the idea that maybe the 2018 class is the best of the last five years is a better statement? Or do you think that maybe 2018 has a lot more range than just even five years? I would say five years. They're definitely the best class. I would definitely agree with that. Okay. As far as, uh, ever. No, they're like, I would, I would say right now they're definitely amongst the top five. I mean, you, you I can go, 84 with Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon, Barkley, all of them. You can, you put that in there. John Stockton as well. You gotta go with, with 96. You gotta go with, with 03. Um, what was it? The draft class with, I think the 08 draft class when they had Derrick Rose, Russ, Russ, um, Kevin mm-hmm. Love. That was, that was a very memorable class for me. I would put 2018 like right there. Um, right now, I mean, again, you got Trey Young, you got DA, you got, uh, uh, Luka Doncic, I mean, this is like a very, very loaded class right now if, as far as just being able to su- uh, surpass expectations, leading teams to the conference finals, leading teams to these incredible individual seasons. Like, they're really making the mark. They're really creating their own legacies. They're really looking like an amazing class right now. 2017, I agree with you, Jalen. I thought they were going to be great. Like, Markel mm-hmm. Fultz, I'm, it still surprises me. Fultz still out there, bro. Yeah, still I still have hope in them. Don't don't get me wrong there, but yep. to see this like that fall from him, suddenly just having a janky jump shot was just crazy to me. Because again, the, you saw that you watched the guy in high school and in college, the guy looked like the one, and for him to just fall like that is just crazy to me. Lonzo Ball has had a very complicated career so far. Like Don, I was I will say it's between Donovan Mitchell and 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 Jason Tatum right now for the best in the class right now. And that's, that can be a totally separate conversation, but 2017 is kind of missing the mark. I thought the 2015 class was going to be pretty good too. They're just super deep, but they just have like really con- good contrib- contributors, excuse me. Cat is like one of the best number one picks, but the guy is again having a complicated legacy and a complicated career so far, and he's being able to rack up awards, but he's not the guy that we all thought he would be because I think Jimmy Butler alluded to it too. The guy just is, is soft as baby crap. So, 
you know, do you want him to be to headline your class or do you want someone else to headline that 2015 class? Ryan, uh, we're going to end this out just simply by saying, um, if DeAndre Ayton wins a championship with Phoenix, does this make him the best player in the class? No. I still feel like the jury's out on who the best player in that class is because you keep in mind, we talked about the talent in this class. DeAndre Ayton's a great player, but he came in the same class as Trey Young and Luka Doncic. I think those two are arguably going to be two of the best in that class, maybe the best of all time at their position. So, like I said, jury's still out. Ryan, you know I won't give you an easy question without giving you a hard one to end the topic. Pull up the 2018 class for me. Give me a top five from the 2018 class before we move over to this man, Giannis. We got names like DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Trey Young. We got Colin Sexton, Shea Gilgis, Mikael Bridges, Michael Porter. You give me a top five, I'll give you a top five. Let's go number five, Colin Sexton. They don't call him the young bull for nothing. He has a lot of intensity, a lot of energy, great score. Number four, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Triple J. Triple J for number four. Improving on the three point shot. He's really become a very, very solid second option to John Morant. Let's go to number three, DeAndre Ayton. He's a phenomenal center for the Phoenix Suns. Number two, Trey Young, and number one, Luka Doncic. Trey Young's a phenomenal scorer. And he's going to take the Atlanta Hawks places. I know that. But number one with Luka Doncic, I think he's arguably the greatest international player of all time outside of Dirk. The potential of Luka Doncic is through the roof. And I think if he wins a couple of rings with this Dallas team, I think he could be the best player coming out of this class. But let's keep in mind, 2018 was three years ago. And like I said, it's a lot, it's very early to see who is going to be the best player coming out of this class, but DeAndre Ayton's make, making a case pretty early. Luka Doncic has been a, pre, a pretty good player for the past couple of years. Trey Young is leading this, leading this Atlanta Hawks team places. Colin Sexton could be leading Cleveland places. And I mean, you also factor in players like Michael Porter Jr., who has tremendous upside. Miles Bridges, who's been pretty good for the Charlotte Hornets, Shea Gilgis-Alexander as well for Oklahoma City, Mikel Bridges in the finals so far and in the playoffs for the Phoenix Suns, but who knows? We'll see. Well, I'll give you my top five starting at five, bro. I'm going to give you Michael Porter Jr. at five. I got to put my dude Shea Gilgis at four. I have, I'm going to put uh, D.A. at three. I'm going to put Luka at two and my guy Trey at one. Stop playing with me. The dude Ice Trey is that guy. At six... We gotta we gotta pay this man uh Mikhail Bridges some respect too. Well he's big time underrated on the Suns team with the fact that he's been a guy that may not be putting up crazy numbers, but he's taking some of the best perimeter assignments out there. So you know, just had to throw a little top five out there one time for the one time. But let's move on to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ian, I ain't heard from you in a grip, old man. If Giannis wins a championship <laughs> I'm out. Oh, Giannis with a championship. <laughs> yeah, man. You're the one. You was the one siding with the old heads 20 seconds ago. You hit me with the 19. Hit me with the 9. You couldn't show love to 2015. Let me stop playing with you. With Giannis Antetokounmpo winning the championship this year, he would have an MVP, a defensive player of the year, and a most improved player award. If he wins that championship, do you believe that Giannis Antetokounmpo 
will be the next lead guy that we're naming the best player in the world moving forward when LeBron James leaves. If not, you have to tell me who will. Okay, so this is just if LeBron leaves? I mean, you tell me. I mean, is he better than LeBron if he gets a championship? No, no, I'm just saying, like, if, like, anybody else else retires. My belief is that, my belief is that the next guard starts, we're talking about the the best player in the world is LeBron James. So, if you feel as though there's somebody else that can usurp LeBron James while he's still here, then keep him in the lead. If you feel like that guard cannot be passed until after he retires, who takes the mantle when he leaves? Okay, um... I had to ask because um, now it just solidifies my answer even more. Uh, no, he won't be. Uh, he's close, but he won't be. Um, last time I checked, Kevin Durant is still alive. I digress. That, that's that's all. That I'm pretty sure he's still alive. I mean, he died. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I I, that's what we're that's I, what we're here for. Yeah, this is a Stephen uh, this is a Stephen A. Smith ass answer for real. I, I, like, I hope not. But yeah, I mean, it's Kevin Durant. That's why I said let's say. If LeBron and KD do retire, then sure. But, oh, no, Kevin Durant is still there. I mean, that man is a walking bucket. I mean, when you look at a guy like Giannis, I mean, one, two, three, he can't shoot free throws. He he can barely shoot a three. I mean, this man, Crowder, basically waved him off when he was shooting threes last night. I mean, granted, he's still, like, don't get me wrong, he still, you know, can get to the, the cup at ease, but people know how to game plan against him. The Suns even pulled out a 2-3 zone, which worked at one point. I mean, you're doing that against a star, and it's working? You're not the baddest man on the planet, ever, if you're running a 2-3 and they're doing well against you. I don't care how good your defense is. There's always a soft spot in a zone, period. So um, if LeBron retires tomorrow, Giannis is still not the best player on the planet. I don't care about any type of accolades. It's Kevin Durant. Ryan, if Giannis wins a championship, is he the next best player in the world? They tried to do this with Kawhi. That's why I got to ask this question. They tried to give Kawhi the mantle after winning the championship with Toronto. I need the aggregators to let me know. Is is Giannis Antetokounmpo the best player in the world if he wins a chip? This is a great day today. Ian and I are agreeing on stuff. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's KD. Oh, KD's the best player in the world, and it's not even close. You want to talk about a player that actually gets better coming back from a torn Achilles injury since I've watched basketball. Keep in mind, a torn Achilles is no joke. So with, with KD being able to do what he's doing right now off of a torn Achilles and possibly getting another championship with Brooklyn – also, one of the greatest scorers of all time as well. So it's not even close. He's the best player in the world. Brooks, we can't go three for three on having KD as the best player in the world. And it would be way too easy if I just picked on Ryan. So if Giannis is not the best player in the world, tell me your top five in order for who is ranked as the top five best players in the NBA right now then. LeBron James leaves the league. And we're going to the next guard, man. Definitely Giannis. KD's in there. I'm putting I'm putting uh uh Luca in there as well. Um uh, I struggle between Trey Young and Jason Tatum, but those those are the those are the top five that I would say will be in that next guard list. I mean again, those five specific ooh 
I can't even I can and I can't even leave out like Donovan Mitchell out there either. I mean, and the, again, the guy lost this is in the second round again, unfortunately, and uh, it's a tough series to lose. You, you, you said no Ben Simmons. Sorry, let me stop. Absolutely no. No, Ben Simmons is going to be in China that next year. Be ben Simmons is going to be in- the fact that that was even said should be actually illegal. Ben Simmons oh, is going to be in China next year playing for the Shanghai Sharks. First and foremost, oh, it don't even matter. Maybe second team. Yeah. Brooks walking though, man. Let me tell y'all some names. Brooks slept on Steph Curry. Oh, Joel oh, yeah, Embiid. Yeah, absolutely, Steph. Yeah. Damian Lillard. Oh, he went. He went young guard quick. You heard him. He said. He said. LeBron, young guard. He starts saying Jason Tatum, Trey Young. Man, wake up, wake up, yeah, Brooks. And I, I only say that though because if we're talking about new guard. It's got to be new guard. Steph was the face of the league for two years. Mm, Steph was the face of the, the league for two what happened, years. What happened? Like, he wasn't the best player, but he was definitely the face of the league. Like this guy created a whole new revolution around the basket around basketball. He was the face of the league for a good little minute. Now it's back to LeBron. So I can't give an old guard guy the new. Uh, the new uh, Kings of the NBA type of title, you know what I mean? All right, all right. I see you, 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 you passing the mantle a little quick. I see, I see what you say. You trying to give the new guard their flowers now before they gone early on us? I can't be mad at it. Let's talk about this series a little bit more in depth, though, fellas. After we watched Game One, Ian, I'm gonna start with you. Is there anything that you saw that stood out to you that, uh, if you could pick one X factor in this series, who would it be? Based on what you've seen so far, not only in these playoffs but in Game One. I actually said it in my article, um, and we saw it last night. The X factor is DeAndre Ayton for the Suns. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has the task of dealing with Giannis, and then when they play small ball, you know, dealing with a guy like P.J. Tucker, you're talking about adaptability. He's doing it well, and he showed it. He almost had 20 and 20, and I think uh, Booker or Paul took the last rebound away from him. It was kind of hilarious because the Suns crowd reacted in a way. like he would have been one of the first young guys to score 20 and 20 in his first finals game. Um, but for the Suns is DeAndre Ayton and for the Bucks, I said in my article, he needs to do more. He, he, he didn't do well last night. He did okay. But seeing how well he did against, um, Trey Young in some aspects, not in the first or third games until he got injured. Um, we need to say, we need to see a little more from Drew Holiday. Um, mm. there, I, mean, I think he can be an X factor. I mean, he's one of the best, uh, perimeter guards in the league for a reason. We didn't see it too much last night, but you're talking about a guy that needs to catapult them to another level. That he needs to do that. Simple as that. Um, so yeah, those are my two X factors right there. Ryan, name a guy not named DeAndre Aiden and not named Drew Holiday that you feel it could play a sneaky big role in this series. So for the Phoenix Suns, I think Mikel Bridges is going to be my X factor. He's somebody that's really stood out in this playoff run, and he's somebody who's very underrated when we're talking about this 2018 NBA draft class. So I think having a guy like Mikel Bridges on your team, being able to give you 10 to 15 points, again, like he doesn't need to fill a huge role. He just needs to be consistent. He needs to be a solid contributor, and that's what he's been doing throughout the playoffs, and he will do that throughout the finals. I think for the Milwaukee Bucks, I think it's Brooke Lopez. You need to give assistance to Giannis right now because right now, it doesn't look like Giannis is 100%. He only played about 35 minutes. He usually plays more. But I think if you're Brook Lopez, you just do your part to make sure that this team succeeds. I think whether it's hitting threes, just being down low, dominating in the low post, getting the rebounds, getting the buckets down low, 
I think that's going to be the important thing. When you when you have somebody like Brooke Lopez on your team who is nearly seven foot tall and can hit threes, stretch the floor, that's a valuable asset that you need to combat somebody like DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton's mainly known for what he does down low. He's a guy who can, who can give you 20 and 20. So how do you stop it? You put another guy who's almost as tall as him down low, and that's Brooke Lopez. So I think that those are my two X factors. Brooks, you've been doing some fire watch-alongs throughout this entire postseason. I know you've kept um, your eyes on the Phoenix Suns pretty closely. What is one one-on-one matchup in this series that has really caught your eye or something that you're going to keep very close uh, attention on throughout the rest of this series? Ryan was just talking about it, man. DA versus uh, the Space Mountain, Brooke Lopez, man. I think, I mean, those two, again, they are the most physical forces on the court right now, aside from Giannis, of course. Um, Brooke Lopez is going to be able to take you out to the three and beat you, beat you out there. DeAndre Ian, he's just, he's just like a space eater, man. He's going to take away those rebounds. He's going to block shots. He's going to kill you anywhere you want, you want him to. I think that's going to be a great matchup. It's not going to be like back in the day when it was like Hakeem and Shaq and all of them, but, you know, having those two kind of throw be able to throw back and have like a post-versus-post type of matchup is great to see. Um, I think the other one is, again, CP3 versus uh, Drew Holiday. Like, Is Drew Holiday actually going to be able to put up a good mark against him defensively and, you know, be able to make the Suns work and beat the Bucks with Devin Booker or, like, Michael Bridges, DA, whatever it may be. So, but I think the number one, the number one X Factor is DeAndre Ayn versus uh, Brooke Lopez. Ian, we're going to rapid fire through this last one. Pick your winner in this series and who you believe will win the finals MVP. Um, I said it uh, in my article. I said it on my podcast yesterday. Um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I genuinely think Chris Paul wins his first ring. Um, it, and it's crazy, also crazy, because I really don't backtrack from what I say a lot. But I remember saying on my podcast way back in the day that if the the winner of the Bucks Net series would win the finals, and I backtracked on that. I, this is the first time ever doing that. So um, why? I just think the, they're simply better fr- uh, front to bottom in terms of roster. Um, I, I think Suns win in six. Um, if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, uh, no inconsistencies in between. I really think Chris Paul will win uh, Finals MVP. Ryan picks to win the series and Finals MVP. I think in terms of winning Finals MVP, I think it could be Chris Paul. Also, think it could be Devin Booker. I'm gonna go ahead and say Suns in seven. I do think that Phoenix will get a couple games in Milwaukee. I also think Milwaukee will get a couple games in Phoenix. I think that Milwaukee is a very talented team, but is Giannis 100%? That's the big question going in. I think for Phoenix, is Chris Paul going to be the guy that gets his first ring? He's 36 year old, like or 36 years old. Like I said earlier, that time to get his ring is ticking. So I think that the opportunity has come for Chris Paul to win his first ring. Brooks, who you feel like, bro? We got we got options. It sound like. Man, I'm gonna. I, Everybody else picked the Suns, so I got to pick the Bucks. Okay, hold on. Before you even continue, before you even continue, you did this the this. last time. You did this last time, and it backfired in a horrific way because Pandemic P came out of nowhere in Game 6 when you said Clippers in 7. You, I will say this once. You have an opportunity 
to join the party, man, it's fun. We got bottles over here, you know what I'm saying? We got we got it all. Now, if you don't want to be invited to the party, it is clearly okay. I'm not saying you have to come. But last time we was having fun, we was with CP and the Suns. Don't do what Ryan did with the Hawks, all right? All right that's all I'm saying. But go ahead. I mean, I got to stick to my if – I, if I picked the, the quote-unquote underdog in the last series, I have to do it again, guys. I have to stay consistent. I have to be consistent. I tried. I'm sorry. Put it on the record. I tried. Ian tried, and I. That's a very valiant effort, Ian. But I have to. I have to go against the grain here, guys, because everybody else says Suns. I have to pick the Bucks. I say Bucks in seven. Bucks are. Just, they're, they're simply too big. They're too fast. They're too strong for the Suns. I think when you have, was it? You're starting. Your your top like what seven? All have like what six, seven, six, eight wingspans. They're all. Again, physical. They can all shoot a little bit, except from Giannis. Like, I can't ask for much more from the Bucks than than that. I think the fact that Giannis only touching the ball like two times in the fourth quarter really hurt them a whole lot. I think you know, game one is a filling out process. You know, I'm not gonna just give up on the Bucks because of a bad game one. You know what I mean? I want the I want to see the Bucks succeed. I want to see what what happens with them. And I picked the Bucks. I picked. I said the Bucks would, could win the series on HMO too. So I have to stay consistent with that as well. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Well, Brooks went out of limb by being bold by picking Milwaukee. I'm not as bold. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the Phoenix Suns. But I, the the bold part about it is, I think they can genuinely win this series in five games, guys. I think maybe that's maybe that might be a little bit of a, a disdain. Uh, for Milwaukee Bucks fans, but for me, I genuinely feel like Phoenix is better. Um, I feel like a lot of the matchup problems that you guys mentioned earlier on is what's really kind of pushed me towards leaning so heavily into them dominating this series. And I think the other thing about it is that, bro, there's something about a team on the uptick, right? There's something about a, something about this idea of it being a team's year. To me, that just everything has lined up in a way where the Phoenix Suns should close this out. Starting just from the seeding, just starting from the fact that there was actually a real battle for the two three seed once uh during the during the season in which the difference in your road to the finals was dramatically impacted by those two seeds in particular. So I think that the Phoenix Suns, the way they've been able to get through this entire playoffs, again, I mentioned the whole 2020 aspect of, of course, in a year where everybody else is getting jacked up by injuries. This is the one season where Chris Paul is able to stand upon the trees and stand over everybody else as the lone man who's typically injured, who's pretty much held things pretty steady outside of that first series against the Lakers. So I think that Phoenix is just the overall more talented team. I think that that could be debatable, depending on how you feel, depending on how you feel about Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. But I think that the depth they have, the overall talent, and the fact that it just seems like this is their year, I think they're gonna get it done, and I think they're gonna get it done early because I don't think they're gonna let the opportunity slide, um, I slip out of their fingertips. So I'm gonna take them in five. Again, I don't know exactly how bold that is, but for me, I feel like Phoenix is talented enough to get it done. So, fellas, we're going to close out the podcast talking about the U.S. national team. Um, I'm going to do my cool little readout. Let me know if I might be the host to jump one time. All right. So, 
Let's look at the writing on the wall, fellas. All-Star Games and the Olympics. The perfect place where stars meet up, team up, and take down, right? With a collection of superstars like the ones that we have in this 2021 Olympics class, it's the perfect place for a lot of this off-season shenanigans to begin, right? Off-season hasn't even started yet, and there's already been a tumbling set of, I'd say, rumors is the way I'm going to put it, in terms of things that we could see start to unfold as the season ends. Three guys to keep an eye out on on this U.S. national team, to be specific, are Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, and Damian Lillard. Each of them either face a contract situation coming into this offseason. If you're Bradley Beal, you're an unrestricted free agent after this upcoming season. Similar uh, statement could be made to Zach Levine. Or you're a disgruntled superstar and look in need of a chance to be able to win a championship now as opposed to later, a la Damian Lillard. So, with that being the set for these circumstances going into the U.S. Olympics, Ian, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you believe is the likelihood that one of these players will be moved in the offseason? If your rating is from 0 to 5, then you have to tell me why. And if your rating is from 6 to 10, you have to tell me who you believe might, could, just maybe get moved and why you think they'll be on their way out. Okay, so... For let me let me start with <laughs> free Brad. I don't think I don't think he'll move, so I'm gonna give him a, a three. I don't think he'll move again. I think he's one of those guys too loyal. I mean, they were just in the playoffs. Sure, he was. I mean, at one point he was a little disgruntled, but again, they made the playoffs. He likes where they're at. He likes where they could be. I don't think he moves. Simple as that. Um, for Zach Levine, same thing. I think they. I, I'll give him. I'll, I'll give him a higher ish number because I think he, depending on how the Bulls do. Um, Toward the start of the season and even even before maybe the trade deadline for you know next season, I'll give him a five. I only say that because I, I mean, it, it's close to free Zach too. It's very close because I mean, granted they have some they have solid guys. They have Usovich, all that. Granted, I still think he'll stay. I think he likes what Chicago has to offer. He likes the city. The city loves him. I'm gonna get a little hot and I say for Dame it's a seven. Um, I say this because. Look, look, there's 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 a lot of of intangibles and things that people don't talk about. For example, um, I'm going to go to football for a second. The fact that Aaron Rodgers wasn't included in any of his coaching decisions is one of the reasons why he hasn't been showing up to anything the Packers have been doing. Going back to basketball, Dame had little ish say on, you know, who there are or aren't trying to hire in, in that respect or whatever. Um, on top of that, that man literally just did a movie with LeBron with Space Jam and all that. I know people were like, don't jump the gun too much. I'm telling you, the little things matter. Remember when LeBron, remember when people said LeBron was going to stay in Cleveland, even though he already bought a house in LA? Think about that. Anyway, um, all I'm saying is there's, there's a very good chance. I mean, the patience runs thin, even with loyal people. I will say that, especially when you're supposed to be promised certain things, you're asked to hold on for a while. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. I really do think he could be moved. Do I think it's going to be to L.A.? No. But I think he could be very much so on the move. All I will say is if the Lakers are willing to throw the house for Dame, they will do it. But that's just me. I think Dame could be very much so on the move. Again, I don't bring it like to a 10, but I think eight because, you know, 
there, there's been some disgruntled. I mean, you can see it in his tweets. He's kind of disgruntled about some things. Ryan, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you believe that any of these players will be moved? Uh, same ranking supply. Anything five or lower? Explain to me why you think nobody will be moved. If it's six and up, tell me who you think will be moved and why. So I'll start with Zach Levine and I'll give him a two. I don't think he gets moved at all. I think what the Bulls are trying to do is that they're trying to build a contender. I think when they they started, they really started by getting Nikola Vucevic. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what this team looks like next season, considering that Kobe White's going to be a free agent too. So I think that Zach Levine, I'll give a two. Bradley Beal, I'm going to give a five. I do think that there's a chance that he leaves, but I do think with his loyalty to Washington, there, there's a 50% chance that he leaves and there's a 50% chance that he stays. I just think the interesting thing will be where he goes. Damian Lillard, I'm pretty high on him leaving. I'm going to give him a nine. I think with everything that's happened in the offseason, I think that there is a reason for Damian Lillard to leave. It's just a matter of where. I do think that there's a chance he goes to Los Angeles. I don't want to bring this up because I don't like hyping up Knicks fans, but there's a chance that he goes to the New York Knicks. That could be very interesting, too, considering that they really don't have a definitive point guard either at that position. So I think that would be an interesting thing to see if he pairs up with R.J. Barrett. He could go to San Antonio. He can go to Memphis. I mean, look, any team could take Damian Lillard at this point. I love making Brooks go last when we talk about Bradley Beal because his face is hilarious. Brooks, scale of 1 to 10, bro. How you feel about the possibility of any of these guys getting traded? Bradley Bill, I say it's a four. Uh, four, four because of, again, Ian brings up the fact that guy seems a little bit happier about the, uh, about the situation with the Wizards. They just made the playoffs. They're getting ready to get a new coach. That being said, man, if they don't make it at least, if they don't win the playoff series, they don't give him any hope of staying around. And I can see it happening. I don't want that to happen. Anything is possible, <laughs> like you said. Anything is possible. But I don't oh want to see it happen God. again. I thought you was going to give him a zero. Knowing you, no. about no, nah, hell no, nah, no. Nah. I'm I'm realistic about that. Nah, I'm I'm realistic. I'm realistic about that. Um, as far as uh, and I I feel like it's like a I say it's like a sixty forty chance that Bradley Beal leaves. If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't know where he will go, but I feel like it's more than possible that he does leave. I don't I don't think he maybe like a sign and trade thing. I don't know. With that being said. Moving on to Zach Levine, I feel like that's like a like a six. I think that <laughs> Jalen's looking at me like I'm crazy, but listen, listen. I I think Zach Levine is more free Zach Levine than free Bradley Bill. To be quite honest with you, I would love to see Zach Levine in the Lakers uniform or like a Knicks uniform. I think that'd be great for the league and for him. I think him being around a good winner is is good for better for his career. Staying around in Chicago. Or it seems like they're kind of rudderless. It's, that's what it feels like. I, I see Jalen's point about, or um, Ryan's point about them putting a contender around him and, and Nikola Vucevic, but I just don't have faith in that team and that organization to do it despite getting rid of Garpax. Damian Litter is like a nine as well, and I, I agree with every point that Ian and, and Ryan have brought up. First, I thought we were friends, bro. That was crazy. <laughs> I felt that in my chest. All right, hold on. <laughs> Hold on, Ian. I feel you, bro. I I feel. Ian, do you want to retort first? Do you want me? Do, do you want to retort first? Am I drunk? What? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said you said hold on. 
Let me put the bottle. I said six. Six isn't that bad for Zach Levine. You said you said you said free Zach is more again what prevalent or more in the forefront than free Brad. Right? In my mind, I see free Zach more than I see free Brad. But I also see Brad leaving more. Just just as much as or I see free I see free Brad happening more than I see free Zach happening. But I want Zach to be free. That's what Um, I want. I want both of them to be free, but in my opinion, um, I think it's more free Brad than it is free Zach. Y'all don't even have a coach yet. <laughs> That's one. Um, two, I think the, the the Bulls are putting themselves in slowly but surely in a position to get themselves to a playoff spot. Two, and then three, they're building around Zach. I don't think he wants to leave, one. I think more I don't really think there have been the only the only way I see Zach leaving is if someone like some free agent or whatever happens to come around to Chicago and I don't think they'll do it, but Chicago will be willing to throw him in a deal. I don't even see that happening, one. But that's those are the only two ways I see him if he forces out or is he or in some sort of blockbuster trade where he's out of there. I don't think it's free Zach yet because the city one, the city has embraced him. Two, I mean this man made an all star with the city. They're not gonna just get rid of him like that and he's not gonna leave just willingly like just because like that. And three, I haven't really seen any rumors saying Zach Levine really wants to leave, if I'm mistaken. I don't think I have. Um, there, we've already seen reports of Brad, you know, oh my goodness, the Brad and John Wall days were hilarious because we didn't even know if they could even play with each other at one point. Or if they wanted to. Exactly. So that, that was, that's even more to the point. I think it's more free Brad than anything. Granted, I want to see Zach Lee too because I, I mean, man, Chicago sports is something else, man. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. Look at the White Sox, look at the Bears, look at the, look at the Bulls. And y'all got rid of a terrible. Hey, look, and, Hey, look, the Cubs, actually, the White Sox is solid, but the Cubs really just, they're they really inconsistent this year, man. It's really sad. They don't even have an all-star. Like, <laughs> I mean, but anyway, so look, um, I do like the Bulls. I do like Zach, but I think it's more free Brad than anything just based on recent history, and I don't think a guy will want to leave if you're, you know, building a team around him. That's just wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Okay, y'all got me tweaked out now. This is crazy. All right, hold on. I'm gonna work in reverse order because I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle the two homies. For, I'm gonna just tackle the two homies last. First of all, I think with Damian Lillard, I think the likelihood of him getting traded is minimal out of the fact that they're in a situation where I don't know exactly how much they can actually do around him that's gonna make it beneficial to him to stay. But I don't necessarily know if they're ready to hit the panic button. This team feels very. Orlando magic key to me they're a team that's going to continue to try to hit this ceiling and it's going to take very very drastic circumstances in order for them to hit the panic button you just hired a new coach so I don't necessarily know if the panic button is ready to be hit just yet if you look at their circumstances going into the offseason Zach Collins just got injured again this dude has terrible luck. I don't know what's up with him. Yusuf Nurkic is a guy who I think is actually up soon CJ McCollum has been discussed in trade trade rumors since like Lord, like probably like the last two years or so in its own right in terms of the idea of blowing this team up. And outside of that, they really don't have crazy draft assets. So as much as it's like it sounds like you could just do Damian Lillard straight up, the best thing about being able to trade Damian Lillard is the fact that he's a locked up superstar. He still has three years left on his deal. So he's a person that if you trade them trade him to a place like um this is like a crazy one I kept seeing, but like Golden State or I've seen Boston. I've seen a handful. I've seen New Orleans as another one as circa certain places. 
it pretty much has to be Damian Lillard for whatever you got. There's not really anything that they can sweeten up, and that's kind of tricky for some teams because outside of Damian Lillard's contract being relatively favorable, which depends on how you feel feel is very favorable because his contract increases by about two to three two to three million every year starting next year, and he has three more years left. I think it gets as high as forty two million soon. So depends on how you feel view that, despite the fact that yes, three years is pretty controlled. So that's another so that's another thing. So for me, I'm gonna put him at like a cool like five six. I think that it could happen depending on if any of those teams that I named are willing to get good fast. I think that New Orleans has the gun to their head because of all this Zion stuff. I think that Boston really doesn't want to have to hit the reset button or even remotely feel as though they have to take steps back and I feel as though they have the draft capital to be able to make it where Portland wanted to blow things up. They're one of the few teams in this year's draft class and honestly moving forward that has a lot of ammo to throw at Portland. So I think that it's like a 5-6 for Dame just out of the fact that I think they are a team that wants to hit their head on the goalpost one more time and see if things and see if that impedes their progress or if they can actually break through with a new coach under new circumstances. Let's get to the homies now, bro, because y'all got me tweaked with this one. Bradley Beal, I'm going to put him at like a cool four. And the reason why I put him at four is because of what Ian said earlier about his attachment to the city. That's number one. You're not going to move a superstar just to move him. I see I see them doing Russ dirty again before they trade Bradley Beal. Just out of the fact that I feel like Russ's acquisition had more to do with the fact that Scott Brooks was the coach. Whether or not people believe that or not, you can leave that to yourself. But for me, I feel like if that's some kind of package deal that works well in the locker room, that's fine. But I genuinely feel like, especially with a lot of the talk around Russell Westbrook and the Lakers, which, Lord, the Lakers are linked to everybody. Dame, Russ, um, CJ. I've seen a handful of stuff that says that he's there in the mix for Carmelo, DeMar DeRozan, CP. So you put Lakers next to name this player it gets a little hazy as to what smoke it was fire. But I genuinely believe that Russ is more likely to be on his way out than Bradley Beal is. That's just my belief. Now, it gets tricky again, like I said beforehand, when we talk about Washington getting better. They have the 15th overall pick in this draft. They don't have a ton of money, and they're begging Bertans to play up to his contract. This is pray that the second year is better than the first year of the new extension. Because really, he's the needle mover to me, which sounds crazy. But you pick up Daniel Gafford, you get Thomas Bryant back, you get somebody with the 15th overall pick, which is still a good pick in this year's draft, depending on if you if, if you hit well, I think that can turn into yet another player. Lord, don't let us draft another forward, though, because I can't do it. I just can't do it. We got to let these two guys work first. So there's that. Then we get to Zach. I'm throwing a zero at Zach. Y'all, anybody who thinks Zach is getting traded, I think is looking too much at the Bulls' current situation and not anything to do with the money that they have going out the door. They have to make a decision on Tomas Sadoransky. I pray that they do not bring Laurie Marketing back because there's literally no need. Chicago sports. Literally no need. But... If they bring him back, I'm I'm presuming if you bring back Larry Markkinen, it is for the purpose of a signing trade or your belief that he is healthy for real this time, which is the biggest gamble in sports outside of leaning on maybe CP3's ankles or Joel Embiid's stomach because that dude is either sick and hurt or hurt and sick. Larry Markkinen is probably next up on that could be injured any time of the year list. So I'm praying they don't bring him back. But my belief is that three things happen this offseason. 
you get Zach Levine to sign the extension, you're aiming for Spencer Dinwiddie, Lonzo Ball, or Mike Conley in free agency as a point guard. You take a look at a guy like Kobe White in terms of whether or not you feel like he's a guy that you want to move down to the bench or not. Think it'll be an easier answer if they get one of those three guards. And then they're in a situation where with the draft picks that they don't really have in the first round that maybe they can use a player that they have down the line on the bench or maybe just one of their nice second round picks plus something to move up and maybe make a move. So I think that the Bulls, when you, you, they just committed to him, right? Like I, I understand that like he hasn't actually signed an extension yet, but the Nikola Vucevic trade, as bad as it kind of looks now with the fact that they didn't even make the play in it like this year, the Nikola Vucevic trade was their way of saying, Zach, I'm trying to get you help. And they didn't play together that much, which doesn't really give us an indication of whether or not that help was there or not. So I think a full season with Nikola Vucevic on the roster will tell us a lot, along with whatever they do this offseason. I don't think they move Zach. That's just me. But y'all got me mixed up with Chicago and Washington in here. So I have to start off by saying or end off by saying there's a ton of bias in here. So. There's that. But I truly believe that there's a circumstance where if you had to rank who's on the move, I think Dame's at the top. I think Bradley's next. And then I think Zach's after. I don't know how y'all feel about that. If anybody has a retort that's opposite of that, then, it, then you know, I'm I'm willing to hear it. But if it's anything opposite, uh, if, if everybody's on the same page, there's one other question that I want to ask y'all about the U.S. Uh, Olympic team before we close out. And that is... How do y'all feel about this team, like, in general? Like, Ian, how do you feel about this team in general compared to, like, other U.S. Olympic teams? Like, you look at the list and names that come up, Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, um, obviously Zach, Dane, Bradley Beal, JT. But, like, how do you actually feel about this team in comparison to other Olympics teams that we've seen? I'll, I'll preface this by saying that, you know, we've got we've gotten spoiled with great USA teams before. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um so it's very tough when, especially I think LeBron's window is definitely closed, you know, Olympics wise. Um, even a lot of other guys are starting to close their windows, but we've had, we've gotten, we've gotten to see Kobe, KD, and Braun play at one point. First off, the Redeem team was in, insane. There's no way that should, that team should have been assembled. It was basically terrorism against the Olympics in general. Uh, I mean, they're dunking on people. Kobe's talking trash in, in Spanish, I mean, or Italian or whatever it was. I mean, come on. Like, it's basically just give them the gold at this point. Um, I, I think the team is solid. Obviously, it's not what the best we have to offer. I mean, I like Jeremy Grant, but if everyone's healthy and wanting to do this, he's not there. Simple as that. Um, I, don't get me wrong. I love a lot all these guys. I think it's going to be a solid roster. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up getting upset by by a team like like a Spain or like a even an Argentina could come out of nowhere because they they're a team that can shoot lights out. I'm talking. I'm, I'm saying. I mean, it, granted, this is a great team. I want to see how it's coached by Popovich. I want to see the you know the type of offensive and defensive sets they run. Granted, I think we'll still be fine, but because of what our bench somewhat does and doesn't have to offer, I think there could be some upset potentials in there, especially when you're looking at, granted, there are some NBA guys playing for other, you know, world teams, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, shout out to Canada for being stupid, not making it anyway. <laughs> um, but dog, <laughs> dog. Shout out to Andrew Wiggins anyway. Dog. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's fine. It's just not, compared to what we've been used to, it's not even close. 
Brooks, so you're trying to tell me that the two-man game of Kevin Love and Jeremy Grant is not legendary. Let me stop. Let me stop. Anyway, how did – okay, from – in this team specifically, who – what is a starting five that you would be really intrigued to see play on the floor? If you need the list for the team, the players on the team is Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, Jeremy Grant, Jason Tatum, Kevin Love, Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, and Devin Booker. All right, starting five of this with this roster. Mm-hmm. Ooh. All right, you, you obviously got to go with, with KD. Got to go with KD at, at the at the. I would say like at the three or the four. I would put KD in there. Put Bam Adebayo in there for sure. Get two guys with big size in there. Three, I think I put Tatum in there. D book, I put that. I, I put I put at the two guard, mm, and I I think I put Damon Lillard at, at number one at, at the one. And I want to. I'm so confused with Canada, bro. Like <laughs> that really hurts me because I see Canada. I see what Andrew Wiggins, like the 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 Maple Jordan, like. I feel like he'd be good in the in the international, or he should have been. He should be better in the international game. If I'm being completely honest, you got Andrew Wiggins, you got uh, RJ, you got. I mean, if Jamal Murray was healthy, you would have had him on that team. I mean, Canada is like they're supposed to be coming up, and for whatever reason, they just cannot get it together. But then I see like Serbia and I see Slovenia, and I'm like, they're too nice. <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna be the new Argentina in Spain because Argentina lo- just lost their golden generation. With Manu Ginobili no longer playing the game, no one's no one's a part of that team for not that golden generation anymore. Mm. Spain, they're I think they're contingent on like Ricky Rubio and the Gasol twins or Gasol brothers playing. I don't think the Gasols are going to play anymore. So I feel like Slovenia and Serbia are going to be the two teams to be to be the biggest threat. Mm. So I think I think the Olympic, I mean the Olympics, I think the USA team is going to win. I don't think they're going to run away with it like they did in 2008 and 2012. I think this would be like a good team, like it was in 2016. It just wasn't be as powerful and like as a threatening. Like you might see another World War Three moment, where like Tatum or Bam tries to start World War Three, dunking on a Chinese player again. But I, I, I mean, I think this USA team is gonna be good. Hey, I will say one thing before you you go on to whoever is whether it be Ryan or yourself. I think the most the the craziest dunk that didn't happen was when De, I think you alluded to it was when Demar caught a pass and almost 360 bang on saying. a Chinese dude, bro. When I tell you, and they were already up like 50. When I tell when I tell you that dunk probably could have caused a war. It could have caused a war. That joint had the whole bench tweaking. Like did like did that really almost just happen? But I, <laughs> listen, listen. Do you know how much disrespect and like you gotta have a certain level of hatred in your heart at that time to th- want to throw down the three sixty attempt on somebody? Like why would you? Why would you do that to somebody? What I don't know what's worse. What Vince Carter did to that French guy. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Brooks, Brooks, Brooks. Okay, Brooks. That's where I gotta stop you because I was. I got one question for Ryan, and I got one question for Ian to close the podcast. Ryan, literally, I, this is why I love podcasting with y'all because y'all be alley ooping stuff all the time. Ryan, my question to you is: Is there a better moment in U.S. Olympic basketball history than the Vince Carter dunk? 
I would probably say no, and if there was a second, it would probably be Kobe hitting that shot in the 2008 Olympics. I think with the Team USA team, think about this. 92 was the dream team. 96 was the dream team 2.0. Look at that 2000 team. That 2000 team had some talent on there. And Vince Carter was on was on the uprise in his NBA career. And I think he really put himself on the map with that dunk on Frederick Weiss. So I think when we talk about great moments in USA basketball history, that's at, that's at the top for sure. So who do you think on this year's team is most likely to get their Vince Carter, DeMar DeRozan moment? Zach Levine. Has yes, to sir. be. Has to be Zach Levine. If, uh, anyone, if it was me, I'd say Kevin Love, but that's just me, you know. Stop. Kevin Love deserves some love. He deserves some I love. Know. No pun intended. No pun intended. I think no, that seriously, the, though. I Seriously, I think that I think you have a point. Zach Levine's a problem. Yeah, I think Zach Levine. Free Zach Levine. Okay. <laughs> Not bad. I Go think, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I think Zach Levine is going to be the guy that throws down that dunk. It just depends who he throws it down on. Could be on Pau Gasol. Who knows? Ian, we're going to end with this, Brody. You're the only one that I didn't give a top five to, so you know I had to sling it out there before we get up out of here. Rank the top five players on this U.S. national team in order. I don't, I don't want no, they, they I don't want just names. Give me the top five in order. <clears throat> All right, here we you go. Give yours. I'll give mine. First, I will say um, it's also free every player in Cleveland because, <laughs> wow, Cleveland, jeez. Uh, free the young bull, free K-Love. Free anyway, um, number one, I-, I said he's the best man on the planet right now. It's Kevin Durant. If anybody has somebody else before KD right Wait, now. KD KD's the best period or KD is the best when LeBron leaves? We're talking about on the U.S. team. We're talking no, about on the, the U.S. team. We're ranking the U.S. team, US team right now. Yeah, we're ranking yeah, the, US the U.S. team. Top on the US five on the U.S. team. On the U.S. team. Katie. Katie. Simple as that. I mean, again, I, I mean, I, I could go into detail, but I'll just be like a broken record. <laughs> Katie, number one. Number two, I got to go Dame. I do. I really do got to go Dame. Um, why? I mean, we, we know what he can do, not only just with the ball, but playmaking-wise. I mean, granted, he was basically one of the reasons why he was carrying – in that series with the Nuggets, obviously the Nuggets moved on. I mean, they had the MVP and Jokic. I think they just had a better roster, hands down. But, I mean, if Dame wasn't performing at the level he usually does, at superstar level, honestly, they'd probably get swept. Simple as that. Um, number three, I mean, he was one of the leading leaders in scoring for a reason. It's actually free Brad himself. Bradley Bill. I mean, look at it. I mean, he's one of the main reasons the Wizards got to where they were. Simple as that. If Brad doesn't play to the standard that he usually is set to play at, the Wizards don't make the play and they don't make the playoffs. But Brad is definitely, I honestly say top three because of his ability to score the basketball, his ability to shot create, and the ability to get to the rim at ease. Simple as that. Now, this is where it gets very interesting. Four and five. Um, number four, I actually have Levine. Why? Um, I will say this way. Well, I'll put it this way. He was a first-time All-Star this year, right? He scored almost 30 a game this year and was on track to do so until, you know, obviously some things got in the way. Um, Lose of his trade, you know, kind of getting adjusted to new players, all that. Um, I'm pretty sure he roughly averages 27-5-4, roughly along that line. Um, shoots the ball at a high clip, highly efficient. And on top of that, he can posterize anybody. I mean, that's a top four or five candidate just right there in that. And by the way, he's their franchise player in Chicago. And number five, 
it is it, it, this was very tough for me. Um, I, I have to go Tatum. I have to go Tatum at five. Why? Again, he's shooting roughly. He has he's what twenty six some points per game, almost seven rebounds, almost four assists per game. He shoots the ball roughly. I want to say thirty eight, thirty nine percent from three. He's only gotten better year after year after year. Um, on top of that, I mean, if Tatum clearly by himself found a way to get Boston to win one game against the Nets in that series, if Tatum doesn't play to the standard he set at, they get swept. Simple as that. Um, now, for those of you wondering, I left out Book, right? I left out Book and a couple other guys as well, yada, yada, yada. Um, I leave out Book for, for a couple of reasons. Um, there have been times, even in the Clippers series, um, where sometimes he'll kind of like have quiet moments. And I'm not saying he does this often, but he'll have quiet moments. Don't get me wrong. He scores at ease. But out of every single one of the top fives I named, he does not score more than them. And as a scorer, he's supposed to do that. He doesn't score more than them. He doesn't rebound more than them. And he's close or at par with assisting. And for a guy who's supposed to kind of do some of those things, I know Chris Paul is supposed to be that playmaker guy for the Suns, but he's still supposed to do some of that, you know, I guess, management or, you know, in, in that type of play. That's why I have Book as an honorable mention, but those are my top five. Katie, Dame, Brad, um, Zach Levine, and Tatum. Okay, similar top five, different order. Wings win in this league. KD, number one. JT, number two. I got Dame three, and then I got to go. I got to go. Ooh, I'm going to go. It's my two guys, so I got I to gotta be be careful how I do this. Man, let's, let's rock out. I'm going to go Zach Brad. That's how I'm going to go. With okay. my honorable mention, uh, I think D-Book is an easy honorable mention, um, a safe honorable mention as well. But I think underrated audible mention is gonna have to be bam i think bam is like a year away from being like a like a real problem force at the power forward position i think that he's one of those guys that with miami is just seen as a really good glue guy right now but i think their finals run they made last year showed us a lot about him i think as he continues to show that he can kind of play with the ball in his hands rather than it just being throwing alley-oops and different things like that where he's kind of playing a um a very like dunker spot role. I think he's a guy who like has a bag and as he continues to develop, he's going to be a force at that power forward position. I want to say true drew holiday so bad, but man, I there's so many nice guys on this, on this roster that drew holiday is just like further down the uh, totem pole. But uh, fellas, that, that is the, that is the episode that there was a, there was a lot of, a lot of everything going on in this one. But um, Ryan, I'm going to let you close this out, Brody. This was an amazing episode today. Thank you, Ian and Brooks, for coming on and talking some NBA basketball with us. And transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, do you think Team USA will get the gold medal in this year's Olympics? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys next episode. Peace.